0: Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M.com. You can learn to skate fast. Back to rinkwise everyone. We are New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host Stephanie Wood. Evan, welcome back.
1: Stephanie, it is good to be here. It's been a minute. It's obviously it's it's been a little while, but we are back. It's How's your summer been?
0: Definitely back. It's been really good. It's been super fast.
1: Yeah, way too fast.
0: Which which happens, but I I found this summer has just been much faster than usual, but really excited to be back in studio with you, of course, and excited to be back in the in the studio doing a live podcast.
1: Yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, it's funny, the summer, like, this is my first summer doing a hockey journal because I got hired in September of last year, and the amount of rinks I've been in this summer, the, the <laughs> hockey that just continues, the showcases, the games, the, the summer skates, it's been great. It's cool to see kind of, it's to track player development, to see some new players to see some people who who are going to be big on the prep scene next year who are coming in as freshmen and sophomores and to see some older guys sort of developing this summer. So it's been fun. You're right, though. It's been way too quick. The fall is less than a month away, which is daunting, wild. But the cool thing is that it's August, and we figured why not do a podcast kind of giving our thoughts on the recruitment scene because it's been pretty wild that we're recording this August 8th the last eight days, especially on the boys' side, been pretty wild.
0: Oh, it really has. And, and actually, Evan, I think in the summer, it's, as we said, with hockey, it's, I feel like it's just as busy, but it's a different kind of busy.
1: Y- different, yes. To
0: your point, a lot of tournaments, showcases, development camps, and things of that nature. And it's, it's been challenging to also line up some of our guests because of all those, for all those different reasons. And People
1: deserve a vacation too. <laughs>
0: yeah, factoring breaks and vacations, but really excited to get back and deliver consistent Hockey Pods, and uh, the best podcasts in all of New England.
1: Yeah, uh, we we do anoint ourselves that, so that's (laughs) a pretty good uh, title to give us.
0: So lots of commits to talk about, and of course, August the 1st is a huge date in that world, and uh, a really big bit of news last night, a huge commit, Richard Gallant.
1: Yeah, Richard Gallant goes to Harvard. August 7th, it dropped. Everyone was kind of waiting for that. The feeling was he was going to commit early in August. He did, It's a huge get for Harvard, and I think it kind of hits at a bigger point for Harvard of just how stacked their recruiting class has been so far. They were really active on day one with just, they they went out and got Donnie Bracco, they got Luca Graziano a few days later, Lev Katzen committed early on. Again, those aren't local guys. Donnie Bracco, though, is from New York, but they also got Aiden Lane, and then they got Ben Merrill, which is another local kid from St. Sebastian's. They got him a couple, the day after, So I think they got him August 2nd. That's a kid who really burst onto the scene as a sophomore this past year in prep. This winter, really solidified himself as a secondary scorer for St. Sebastian's. Big power forward type player, but really good at protecting the puck. And it's funny, I actually watched him at Harvard's college hockey experience, which is a thing they run before the Crimson Combine. They do it for older players. And Ben Merrill was there and was clearly one of the best players there. And I remember thinking, like, oh, this is an interesting one because he's doing this right in front of the Harvard coaching staff. And Been kind of mentioned around, and so it wasn't a a huge shock, but it also was, it's really well deserved for him because he's going to be a guy that we'll get into a prep preview podcast later this season. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to start using too much, too much ammo here, but he, Sebs, didn't lose, isn't going to lose a lot this upcoming year, and he's going to be a, a stalwart in that top six for them, at least he projects to be. And I'm really curious to see how he kind of advances his game in this winter, but Gallant. Gallant as a whole, really cool to see that.
0: That was a big one. Yeah, a and lot, of, a lot of eyes were were following and yeah. waiting.
1: It, and as, again, up. he's he's the lone or, or the lone NTDP eligible kid from New England who could commit because I, I, I believe Carter Amico can't commit until or, or isn't eligible until like January. He's too young right now. Defenseman from Maine, really big, really good, and he will have his choice of schools. But Richard, I think it's funny because he was someone that. Really lit it up the past couple of years in prep and really burst onto the scene. High compete, smaller forward. I'm really curious to see what role he carves out with the NTDP this winter. Is he someone that moves into the top six? Is he someone that has more of a bottom six role for them? He, his compete, to me, like, and, and you've seen Richard play, Gallant is very, the high compete and just the, the not being afraid of bigger guys and contact that can lead to injury and it has. But at the same time, it's someone that you can rely on to work hard and, and and if he can't carve a role in the top 6, maybe there's one in the bottom 6 for him at the NTDP. Again, I think he can really slot anywhere for them and should be sort of a Swiss Army knife if that's the case. But no, I mean, it's a big commit for Harvard. That's a big commit cuz they I don't believe they're done. I think there's still more that Harvard's going to do. So, but getting securing Gallant is is pretty freaking huge. So good for them and good for Gallant.
0: Big news for sure. And I sort of always have the mentality that big players generally lead to other big players, Mm -hmm. sort of like a domino effect in terms of other big recruits following. And that's again kudos to Harvard. They did a great job, and it sounds like a great class. And just I think on Richard, he it'll be really good for him. I think a top end player like that to be now surrounded, I think by. All other top end players, and and sometimes I think with with those players, like they they can really enhance their development and start to see more of their true potential when they're sort of surrounded in that kind of environment, which you'll see at the N- NDP program.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, and I'm again, I'm I'm very interested to see what his development is because he has a lot of skill. He's high skill and high IQ, and and he can put the puck in the net, and he's he's just all around good and. I, I hate to bring up the height. He's five, I think he's five seven and a half, and the compete is so high that I I don't think the height is going to hinder him and his development. But yeah, I mean it's it's a big get for Harvard. They had a lot of big gets. I think they probably will have a couple more potentially. So. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's cool to see it. I know you you see him play it, it out, out there at Merrimack oh. a lot with the Islanders. So yep. you've been seeing him longer than I have, and longer than most people listening probably have. So
0: I, I have, yeah, really love the family, super close, and I do. I have the pleasure. I'll, I'll put it this way: whenever I see him, he's always working. He's working on the ice, or he's working off the ice in the weight room doing his training. So. Always puts in the work, exceptional work ethic, and really excited for him and just to see what the future holds.
1: Yeah, it's it, it again. It just goes back to I think it's very cool to see. I, I think the way in which he came to the the Harvard decision and 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 kind of what his future is there, right? Because I mean, you're gonna have two years at the NTDP, then go to Harvard as an 18 or 19 year old. But Harvard, by the way, like, the other thing is St. Mark's has had quite a bit of Harvard kids go or kids go to Harvard. And you had Henry Thrun a few years ago, Sean Farrell, Ian Moore. I know from talking to Carl Corzini, the head coach there, he continuously kind of brings up the Sean Farrell comparison and how they're similar. So again, maybe that's the the ceiling. That's a pretty, that's a pretty darn good ceiling if it's Sean Farrell, right? So I mean, again, like Harvard, it's not hard to recruit if you're Harvard. <laughs> right, you're, right. You're Harvard. It's, it's Harvard. You're Harvard. Right. But they still do a good job. And I think the big thing is they do a good job of developing. And I think they really must have made a good pitch to Gallant in the sense of, hey, we can really develop you. Look at these past players that we've developed that are similar to you. So that's my guess. But again, good for Harvard on getting him. I know that there were other Boston schools that were certainly hoping that Gallant chose them. There were those talks of even the Midwest, Mm -hmm. schools like that. So he had some, he had options, which can make it harder. You see this all the time. It can honestly be sometimes harder, I feel like, to have Four or five really good schools because it's like, oh my god, what do I pick? What, what of these five very good schools do I pick? But you know, Harvard—it's not a bad one to pick. So
0: great problem to have. Yeah,
1: it's a very good problem to you know, have.
0: As I say, kind of sometimes guiding athletes. There's there's no bad decision here if you have these these five or six exceptional choices.
1: It's kind of like, and this is maybe a stupid comparison, but it's sort of like when you sit down to watch Netflix and you don't have a, <laughs> you don't have a show in mind or a movie, and you see all the options, and you're like. I'm overwhelmed. I don't even know which yeah. one to pick. And I spend that 20 minutes sitting there watching previews. Go, and it's, it's like, ah, I did, there's too many good options. Like, I feel that's like that's a great comparison. Yeah. I,
0: that's a, I think that's very accurate. It's like
1: a Colin Cowherd type comparison, <laughs> like when he brings real life into it. So, but, uh, yeah.
0: Well, Evan, before we get off track here, you and I could just talk forever. Let's, I know we let's could. Let's keep talking yes. all of our commits here. So commit. you recently also just came up with a great article on August the 4th listing Several big commits. So let's talk about more of those.
1: Yeah, no, we we had a live tracker for the first week of just kind of the kids committing ones whether they are from here or committing to local schools. One, I w- we'll go through most of them. I will try to at least the one that I think is the quote unquote steal, and one that I think is a value get, and and obviously it's it's not one that BU had or or BC or Harvard. But C.J. Wattroba committed to Merrimack. C.J. is going to Pope, excuse me, he just came from Pope Francis, helped them win a Division I state title, dominant. Troba. he's from West Springfield, was dominant at the 07s at the Mass State Festival. I thought he was one of the better 0- 07s there, arguably the best. And then he had a very good select 16. He's very, very creative offensively and The upside, I know the 200-foot game is going to be worked on a lot this year because he's going to Kimball Union. Tim Whitehead's going to have a lot of fun with having C.J. Watroba because last year he got Jack Sadowski coming out of Arlington High School and turning to prep. Now he's got Watroba who's coming out of Pope Francis. He's turning to prep, and he had a lot of success last year. I'm very interested to see what Sadowski does this upcoming fall, but again, we can get to that later. (laughs) Watroba, though, is a good value pick. That's a guy who, that's a great get for Merrimack. The ceiling is high with a guy like Watroba. The offensive skills are there. He's someone that projects to be a very effective college hockey player. And Merrimack's had success at recruiting kids out of prep with with guys like like Matt Capone. But Watroba really, that's a guy that I saw that and I said, that's a good get for Merrimack. Because Merrimack, that hockey program is very much on the rise as we saw last year.
0: I was just going to say, I, I wouldn't expect them to... Miss much of a beat starting this season. Merrimack men's yeah, and program. I and I
1: think they. My guess is what I don't know this for a fact, but Watroba probably had some options. Yeah, and and Merrimack again is growing, and I think they probably my guess is pitched him on that. And but again, he's a really strong recruit for them. That was someone that it's funny you kind of as August first and second kind of go along, you kind of get used to kids. Who go, oh, this one recruited here, this one recruited there. Oh, good for them. And then it's like, oh wow, that's a good get for Merrimack. So. Good for the the Warriors to get a guy like Watroba because I think that's sort of who they sh- you know who they're going to have success targeting. Obviously, the the top high end NTDP tryout kids are going to be looking at the BUs, the BCS, the Harvards, Michigan, whatever. That's a good gift for Merrimack, though.
0: And it's I think it's great because as as things are evolving, when I think in the Hockey East side on, with the men's Hockey East this year, particularly, mm-hmm. there was a lot of change. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the typical. BC BU at the top. Well, BU did end up winning, but they weren't necessarily at the top of the list. You know, mm-hmm. to start the season. So, just I, I think some some of the the knows that a place like Merrimack would consistently get, they're really starting to get looks by some of those top kids and starting to get some yeses. So, so again, it's great. It's great for hockey and just I think shows how things are also evolving. And I think, Evan, worth noting, since we did discuss Richard Gallant, worth noting his brother Mark Gallant yes. is also going to Merrimack to do his fifth year. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a four-year player at Dartmouth. So again, I think just across the board, they've they've gotten some big pickups for the season.
1: Yeah, I, I just, they are moving in the right direction. I know they had a lot of older players last year, but still, I think that effect of having a really good season and how good that place can get is, is definitely noteworthy. So again, Watroba, to me, was a really good one. Another interesting one, and it goes back to a hockey school that's sort of moving up very quickly. And there, I think the the sky, to me, the sky's the limit with Maine. They got Michael Monroe out of Avon Old Farms. He 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 was at, I believe it was Hanover High School before I switched to Avon Old Farms this year. A Solid season. He was a sophomore, 14 points in 28 games. He was a secondary scorer for them. He didn't need to be a, a top guy for them, but he's a guy who Has a lot of uh, very good offensively, had a really good season for the Riverettes in the fall, small, shifty, high compete, things like that. Committed to Maine. By the way, really nice graphic by him on social media. (laughs) With a lot of these kids, I always say, like, if you're committing to a school, go off with the graphics. Like, like it's your one time to commit. When I know there, whether it be your agency or you have an outside third party do a graphic for you. Go off, like go crazy with the graphic. Are like, pretty
0: high tech. They are, see, like, Michael, I'm looking
1: graphic. at Michael Monroe's right now on my laptop, and it has him yeah. in a main jersey and and a uniform yeah. on the ice. There, and it's like, oh, that's like pretty sick. And Richard Gallants the other night yeah. was yeah. was very good, and there yeah. there have been others that have been really good. So it's like, go do it. Have that. Things um, have changed. Yes, so yeah. I imagine back, back that back when you committed to Northeastern, you were there were no. You post a graphic on MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would have loved a graphic like
0: that. <laughs> okay. So quickly, Evan. So really interesting perspective on UMaine. So what is it about UMaine that gets you excited with their trajectory and just I think evolving in hockey East?
1: The history. I think they they have a good history. They have a a really they have a strong history. Obviously, Jim Montgomery, the head coach of the Bruins, was a star there. Paul Korea, like they just have a they have a a program that just needed to get back on the tracks, and they did the right thing because they hired. Ben Barr out of UMass, and Benny's done an outstanding job so far at Maine. I mean, it, it and and that whole coaching staff works really hard. I mean, I've been at I was at a Foxborough prep league game or games a few weeks ago, and one of the Maine assistants was there. And it's a Wednesday night. It's a middle of July. It's it'd be easy not to go for them. That's like a probably like a four hour drive from from where they are in Maine down to Foxborough through traffic on a Wednesday. And those Wednesday Foxville Prep League games are good, but it's it's not, they're not the most intense games. It's good for skill and stuff like that, but they're, they're working hard. And also like you look at that arena and I remember, I think it was either this past year or the year before they did a main UNH, like marquee game of the week for Nesson and Maine. that place was packed. And there's, again, it's sort of like North Dakota in the sense that no offense, what else is out there? Like the... Maine athletics is the thing out there
0: i was gonna say location wise right so U Maine is is a very different landscape than say boston college yes U, for example so i think a program like that strong history players like paul korea loved growing up watching him play it was nasty but but they also have to i feel like in a way not only work hard but have like a slightly different pitch yes player so for example i think in the past, some some of the things they've used is they're trying to develop players and maybe go on to the next level NHL professional. That there's less distractions <laughs> out out there. Yes. So, but it's it really is a much different landscape. So I'm interested just to. Maybe just see what what are they? What is their pitch to some of these big players? Because it's it. There's not much up there. You're right.
1: Yeah. And again, I think it goes back to like that that environment. That the care about Maine hockey is so deep up there, and I right. think they want it to be good. And they were this past year. Monroe, again, Michael Monroe was not up there with like Richard Gallant in terms of prospect level, but he's still really really good and someone that I think can kind of continue to get better. And I think he will. Again, very interested to see what he does. At Avon this upcoming year, and I remember a funny Maine story. They they probably have not had the recruiting edge on most schools, right. just again due to being up in Maine. But one guy they did have the inside edge on was Jeremy Swayman, the current Boston Bruins goaltender, because Swayman was from Alaska and was a big nature guy and mm-hmm. loved yep. hikes and and all that stuff. And Maine's pitch to him was the closest thing to Alaska in a, in the United in the in the in the forty eight states that are together is Maine. Like where we are, you can hike and there's bears and all these things I and mean, we're literally called the black bears and right and and just the nature end of it and he was hooked. Like they had it they had him immediately. <laughs> so that's the guy I guess that they like they had an advantage over I guess yeah. in the Boston schools but sure. yeah, Michael Monroe was a good one for Maine. Yale got a good one in Dylan Hunt. Dylan Hunt was a r- really strong Milton Academy, defenseman, another good social media graphic. I'm looking at it right now. I'd forgotten about that one.
0: Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there's always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Keith Yandel, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you?
1: For over 20 years, Eric Nates Eurohockey has been helping hockey players of all ages develop their individual skills and improve on all aspects of their game. Through structured drills and innovative training equipment, Eric Nates Eurohockey's intense on-ice instruction challenges each student to be the best at their ability. Find a hockey clinic or summer camp that is right for you today at nateshockey.com. That's n a t e s hockey.com. Eric Nate's Euro Hockey trained to be the best. Prepare
0: for the next level at Cushing Academy. Coach Pearl here, varsity boys hockey coach at Cushing Academy. If you're looking for the complete boarding school experience that combines elite level boys and girls hockey and a huge range of classes, look no further than Cushing. With a program that has produced more than 70 professional and Olympic athletes, there's never been a better time to prepare for the next level with the Penguins. Visit Cushing.org to register for a tour of the Cushing campus today. Roll pens. We should have a contest later. Who has the best? Yeah, yeah, a good maybe. poll. Subs- <laughs>
1: subscribers and listeners can vote. Who had the best? Uh, the right. best graphic. Dylan Hunt had a really strong year. He's he's a he's an old school defenseman. He just gets the job done. He's not flashy. Not going to dangle through guys. He's not going to go skate end to end and put a top corner or anything. He's just solid. He's a very solid defenseman, and he was effective at Milton this past year. I think he's going to move into a a big time role again this upcoming year. It may, they, Milton is losing Mason Chen to graduation, so I think Dylan Hunt is going to kind of step into the official number one defender role. Sure. And I think the big thing with him is what can he do offensively? What what's the? Because we know what he can do defensively, we know how he can be in transition, things like that. But what's the offensive upside for a kid like him? But I think Yale got a strong one there because again, he's just strong defense. He's a good, solid defenseman. And and you know what? I think hockey has evolved to a place where speed and skill is supreme, and that's awesome. And there's some defensemen out there who can zip around the ice and and dangle, and, and I think that's great. But you still need your people like Dylan Hunt, who can just be strong and solid and reliable, and Yale got a good one there.
0: Definitely. Can't wait to see him in action this season, of course, with his senior year coming up mm-hmm. and taking on just a really big role, as you said, and also under new head coach.
1: Yes. Milton this year. Yeah. Under Jim Gaudet, So that'll be very interesting. I know he's very excited.
0: Who will have on the show?
1: Yes. He will be on, at, I time. believe, the next episode yeah. after this. He will be on. So you get to hear from him. He's a really interesting guy, very nice and, and, and a good get for, for Milton. So yeah, Dylan Hunt was a really, really good one. I want to bring up your former school, Northeastern. Yes. You love the Huskies. We're, we're a pro Huskies podcast because <laughs> you're here. So we have to be. They got Cam, they got Cam Karen. I never know if it's Karan or Karen, but uh, I'm going to say Karen, Karen. Yeah, I'll say Karen. Yeah, Cam. But so Cam Karen really strong year this season at New Hampton. He was a freshman. He accelerated to 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 be a junior and to be eligible for to to have colleges talk to him and and offer him a lot of upside. He's a big kid and he had a huge year at North at New Hampton this year. I believe it was 47 points. No other freshman came even like remotely close. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, to how good he was. Again, big guy. Good skill. He's got the the tools and the upside to be a really intriguing prospect for Northeastern. I didn't knew. I didn't know he accelerated, so I was shocked. I was like, "He's committing? Like what?" But he he yeah, he did accelerate because I believe he was a repeat freshman this year at New Hampton, so they're able to make it work. But he's at again. It kind of goes like for for a lot of these kids, it's what's the upside? What's the next? How much better can these kids get than they already are? And Cam's an interesting one because he was really good this year at, at New Hampton. But what's the next step? And I think Northeastern is very intrigued in what that next step is. Kind of taking a taking an early swing at him, in a sense. Sure. Getting him early before. Yep. Yep. I mean, he's a bigger guy, but has a little bit of speed. Good skill. Very offensively gifted. So I saw a little bit of him at Festival. He was pretty solid. So again, a good pickup for Northeastern. Picking up a local kid from Drakeett. And again, he's a guy. He the plan is for him to return to New Hampton this year. So again, if he was dominant last year, you would expect dominance this year. How dominant will that be? But again, that's something we can hit on later in the fall.
0: See if he can surpass the forty six points. That is extremely impressive, and in in
1: the first year too, which is pretty crazy.
0: Oh oh yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, Evan, I think it's really, really great to see just some of these really big local talented players. They're also being picked up by some of our local top end division one programs, Yeah. And it's great to see.
1: It is. And it's, and it's great. And one of those, it's funny, I a, a hockey East coach who used to say to me from a non beanpot school, he used to say, we can never recruit. You can't compete with the beanpot schools for the really good Boston kids. So you sort of have to find ways around it. And some of these kids are from, from around Boston. Interesting though, local, local kids picking local schools, Everett Baldwin and Colin Sisson, both picking Providence college, really strong pickups. Baldwin, Really good defenseman for St. George's, good two-way threat. He's going to be a guy that steps into, kind of like Dylan Hunt, a much bigger... or not. Well, Dylan Hunt was already in a pretty big role. Baldwin's going to be stepping into an even bigger role with St. George's than he was last year. Very strong. Again, good two-way guy, good two-way defenseman, reliable pickup for Providence. Colin Sisson, though, is a really interesting one because he was not on a ton of radars as of like three months ago, but he was dominant at the New England District Festival, and then he was dominant at Select 17s. I believe he was like ranked second in points in the entire Select 17 tournament across the entire country. So he was just outstanding there, really skilled shifty forward who has a lot of speed and someone that I believe he's going out to the USHL soon. I think it's with Chicago. But he's someone that it's a good pickup for Providence because he's a high skill guy. And you look at where he was three months ago, I believe he played for both South Kent and Mount Saint Charles this year, but really kind of came into his own in the last couple months and had his pick of schools. Like he had, he had options. He had a lo- he had a good amount of options, and Providence stuck out. He's from Lincoln, Rhode Island, so really cool to see both Sisson and Baldwin kind of pick their this the home state school, and uh, they're going to be they're interesting pickups for Providence because I think both can continue to get better again which as we said is pretty big for recruiting kids.
0: Yeah, and sometimes to me that makes me think a little bit of it's the art of recruiting mm. if you will. That it's you're almost making a prediction for for down the road and predicting the player's trajectory. So where they are right now, where they where they were 3 months ago and where you think they can get because sometimes when you're recruiting a kid they they certainly haven't reached their full potential. So you're mm-hmm. again the art of recruiting. You are making a best, the best guesstimate that you can of where you think that player can be. And uh, sometimes you can really find diamonds in the rough, so to speak.
1: It's funny you mentioned it because it really does come down to the eye test. Like I think at higher levels, the NHL college, the eye test has not been taken away. I mean, it's still a big thing, but you have advanced analytics in the NHL. You have ways to project players. You have projection models. I mean, you can, in the NHL, and even in part, some college stats, like you can, project out, oh, they're going to have in the NHL, they're going to have 102 points next year because they're going to need X amount of goal, x amount of goals. Or you can look at a player and he's a third liner and say, oh, but his his, his chances for are pretty high. And if he's in a bigger role and is coursey and all this stuff, you don't have that in prep. You don't have that with these kids. It really comes down to how good is your eye? How can you, can you look at someone like a, a Cole Hiles who committed to UNH on August 2nd and he's a New Hampshire kid. And he played for Seaco's Performance Academy, 16U, last year. And he said he's going to Cushing this fall. And can you project him and say, all right, he's going to be a very solid college player in two to three years? Can you look at a kid like Gallant? I mean, that's an easier one. But some of these other kids, like a Sisson or a Dylan Hunt or Michael Monroe or whomever, and say, are they going to be a good college player? Like, that's that really comes down to just, I mean, what is it? I mean, you're pretty good seeing these things.
0: Yeah, and it's we've. Go back to one of the pods that we did earlier this summer and kind of getting to like the five, I'd say the five points on recruiting. So, and I I think that players too these days, they also have to have a little bit more of the full package. So like the academics, the the on ice and all that stuff, but getting to five points. So skating, your Mm -hmm. overall skill work, like your stick hailing, your shooting, hockey IQ, your physical presence, because obviously going up to the next level, it's everybody's faster, stronger. And then I'd say the fifth point, and this ties in, I think, to a trajectory that a player can reach, is your habits off of the ice. So, for example, we're in the offseason right now. What are players doing to get better? Mm -hmm. I just said, if I'm at the rink, I can see this player working four days a week. So I think that that's important. And I think for for players aspiring or going through the recruiting process right now, don't underestimate how valuable your habits off the ice are Mm -hmm. with this whole process.
1: Yeah, I think it's a huge thing. And, and I think these schools are, are monitoring those things consistently. I know that a lot of times I'll see schools at, at games or summer skates just to watch guys that they've already recruited, not even to see new recruits and to see how they're developing and what they're doing and talk to them after and kind of keep in touch. So again, I, I, I think that it's a really interesting route. I know that for this recruiting class, obviously just like every recruiting class, a lot of work goes into it. Cause again, the schools can talk to. These players from January 1 to August 1, and then they start committing them August 1. And interesting. So we've pretty much discussed, I think, every local kid that committed to local schools. I know there were other kids that committed to local schools from, I know, like Graydon Robertson Palmer plays at Phillips Andover. He committed to Dartmouth. Again, that's a good get for them. He's not technically from here. And I think there have been some other players like Thomas Belzell committing to, to UMass and Jack Murdoch, which was a huge get for BU. Both those guys are not from New England, so I, we're not going to go super in-depth on them, but Murdoch's an interesting one just because really, really big get for BU. BU had two. They got Conrad Fonderk and they got Jack Murdoch, so they were not active getting everybody, but at the same time, they 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 did a really good job of of scooping up those two and and, and doing well there. Some interesting guys that we haven't discussed that have yet to commit at the time of recording this episode, you have... Teddy Mutrin, who I think is up there with Richard Gallant in terms of what are they going to do? I think they have both have very high, they have high aspirations. They have big schools after them. A lot of schools are interested. So Mutrin was just over at the Five Nations tournament. So I know that he was waiting until after that to kind of make a decision. So again, it'll be interesting to see in the coming days. Does he make his call? Does he make a call later in the month? Does he wait? Because that's one thing I, I hear more and more from players and families, Stephanie, is like, and you probably had the same thing, that obviously there's a lot of pressure to commit. I'm working on one story right now on what it's like to be recruited for college, especially in the month of August, and 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 what it's like to commit and the whole process, because it can be very stressful. As and one thing I hear from all of those kids, and they all they all they all committed, and we ran the story actually doing a hockey journal on hockeyjournal.com, advice from those kids to to future recruits, and almost all of them said, wait, don't jump at the first thing. Don't rush it. Take your time. Take your time. Now, you've known since January, you know, what schools are interested, so you've had a lot of time to think it over. But, like, Cole Eiserman, for instance, last year was the biggest, was one of the biggest gets in the college recruitment scene. Waited till mid-September. My guess is he had every school, any school and every school on him for, for all of that time, but he said, "I want to. I want to take my time. I want to take my time with this." And I think there, are, there are some. I know there are some players around prep hockey that are getting interest that are definitely Division One players that are going to wait till the season and just see how things go. And whereas some people, like like in like a Colin Sisson, kind of wanted to get it off his plate before he went to Chicago and the USHL, and and guys wanted to kind of get it off of. their, wanted to just focus on other things. And like now, Richard Gallant go to the NTDP, and he's just committed. He doesn't have to continue to visit schools or talk to schools. He just, he's going to Harvard. <laughs> right. And that's a pretty good thing to have. So I think more and more kids is interesting are, are are opting to wait. It can be hard though, because of social media element. Kids are posting their graphics. Kids are seeing that when you see someone else get praise, it's like, oh, I, I kind of want that praise. I, I I want people to focus on me like that. So I think it can put a lot of pressure on kids, but I don't think it's ever a bad move to wait a little bit. What's your take on that?
0: yeah that's a great question and i I do think the process is a little different for everybody mm-hmm. and uh, certainly, I think the going through the recruiting process can be extremely stressful for high school athletes, yeah, no question however there that's it's just it's called the process for a reason mm-hmm. i think and As you're going through it, and again, we did we discussed this on one of our earlier pods, I think the number one thing to start with is is a plan and a list, and then also educating yourself with your options. Because I think by the time you make your decision, you want to feel really good about it, of course, right? And again, that, that process can maybe just happen a little sooner for some than others. And I think just talking about your commits that we just discussed on this show, talking about like humane. So maybe for that kid from Alaska, that was the right fit for them, right? Yeah. But it it it, it comes in part of doing your research and and that's, that's what it gets down to. You have to, it's gotta be the right fit. And you certainly ideally wanna try to get it right the first time. Yes. So it's a big decision. And, but again, don't be afraid to do your own research and do your own homework. And I think the more proactive you are with it, the better. So by the time that that it comes to make that decision, you feel really good about where you are and are able to make a firm decision.
1: And agents a lot of these kids have agents and and advisors and they give advice on on where to go and and and, uh, what they think the best route is. I know there were agents talking to a lot of these players saying going into August 1st saying, all right, we're gonna probably talk the weekend before and say, hey, do you want do we want to commit early or do you want to take your time and wait? So Teddy Mutrin's one, I know that he was waiting till after Five Nations. He wanted to kind of get that out of the way. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Another one's Thatcher Bernstein, who was over there with him for that really strong goalie from Nobles going off for the USHL this upcoming season. One of the stronger goaltending prospects that New England's seen in the last bunch of years, like just very, very solid, highly regarded, tried out for the NTDP last in 2022. I don't know what they say last season, last year. It's, it all blends together at this point. But he's someone else that will be an interesting one, and I know I've heard that he could be a, a mid-August commit or a later in August commit. Usually, goalies take a while; they take much longer to commit. Ryder Shea was sort of he committed last August. He committed to Maine pretty early on for a goalie. Most O sixes were not committed when he committed, but he knew that that was the fit, and that he knew it's where he wanted to go, and and I think that'll be a really good fit for him. So, but but Thatcher Bernstein will be an interesting one just because that's a big goaltending prospect. That's I think that's a guy that when you commit him, whoever does, and I think top schools are definitely definitely enjoy him and would like him, he's a guy that you can say, okay, that can probably be our starter at some point. And you can't say that about every kid. Like That's going to be an impact. That's going to be a big impact guy for us. I'll break a rule here. Usually we like to try to mainly keep this on New England kids, but it's hard to miss this kid. And this kid basically is New England, I would say. He played at Mount St. Charles, I believe for two years. He's from New York. James Hagens, who i think is kind of the mostly regarded like top recruit top prospect of this entire recruiting class if if he's not the top he's in the top 5 Hagans lit it up with Cole in this past year with the U17 NTDP team he is nasty he's and I'm nasty i mean he's really freaking good high skill high speed he's going to be NHL draft eligible in 2025 as of now he's a he's a lottery pick for sure if not like top 5 pick You're already, I guarantee you're you going to see comparisons to like Jack Hughes from the New Jersey Devils. Like you're going to start to see those next coming year.
0: Big time.
1: So he's someone that it's, so the word is he, the word that I've heard earlier, I heard this in late July is that he's going to take his time on picking a school. Again, it's eight, as of recording, we're eight days into August. So he's someone that might take his time with, with making a pick and good for him. (laughs) Good for him. Yeah. You have all these schools after you take your time. Like you have interest from everywhere.
0: In the driver's seat.
1: You're in the driver's seat. Enjoy it. Enjoy the view. Smaller the roses a little bit. Go visit places, whatever. I'm not saying he's definitely doing that. But, you know, from what I've heard, he's going to take his time. And I think that's a good thing if that's the case. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's some really interesting prospects coming down the pipeline that have yet to commit. Guys like Nate Porter, uh, who was for, who was with Dexter, headed to the USHL this upcoming year, what he ends up doing. And Andrew O'Sullivan from Kimball Union, a really strong defenseman, lighting it up in the Fox Pro Prep League this summer. I think he's someone that you know is going to wait, and good for him. Like so, again, a lot of these kids are electing to wait, and uh, hard to fault them for that because it's never a bad. I don't think it's a bad move when you wait to make a decision. A lot of these kids, like that have already committed, they knew they wanted to go where they went. Sure, yeah. Take some time if you if if you don't exactly know yet. There's No yeah. rush.
0: Big decision. Big decisions no, it really helps to big
1: decisions said. get it
0: get it right the first time if you can.
1: It's a big one,
0: and uh, so really a lot a of, lot of great coverage so far, and I already can't wait for when we get into the prep coverage. And yes. Previews. And yes. Have more to come on that. And Evan, I think before we wrap things up, just a couple highlights on the girls end over the yes. off season and summer. So eight NEPSAC players were invited to the U18 USA Hockey Development Camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, three from Andover. So Whoa. She deep yeah. there. So both the Avril sisters, Maggie and Caroline.
1: No surprise there.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> surprise yeah. at all. No, no surprise for sure. And uh, Molly Boyle.
1: Yeah, uh, not also not a surprise.
0: Ellie D'Amatoz. and from Thayer, we had Morgan McGathy, Madeline Murphy from Dexter, Kennedy Walker from New Hampton, and Hannah. Sorry if I don't pronounce this correctly. Wayhauser from BB and
1: N. Pretty good.
0: So a pretty good, pretty loaded scene, I think, for the for the NEPSAC and a lot of college commits. I mean, as they do every year on the girls' side. I mean, there was 32 Division One commits coming out of the NEPSAC this year, and. I mean, a lot of those players have been committed really for a while. So some of the big names: New Hampton, Julia Pellerin, coming coming out of the air. Daughter of Scott Pellerin, played in the NHL. Mm-hmm. It's uh,
1: crazy how these these family lines. If, <laughs> if your parents would play, if your dad played in the NHL or your mom was a, a crazy athlete, like the kids are always really good athletes. I find that fascinating.
0: Oh yes, yeah. yeah. No, it's great. And as we've said before, it's it's great on the girl side. Like I have a a, a U ten team, and there's like three or four former NHL or college dads, right, that are crazy
1: coaching a team. It's, it's great. At some yeah. point in the Marinovsky bloodline, someone's going to go pro <laughs> and it's going to start the whole, we're going to start a process. It wasn't me, but maybe it'll be my kids. They'll they'll be the ones to start that.
0: And again, a couple of just big, big names that have been around for a while. Sam Tabor, of course, going yep. to BC, a recent New England Hockey Journal feature, Monique Lyons, Ooh. Williston- committed to Brown. Good and for her. By the way, I've been at Brown is really with the new staff over the last couple of years. They're really doing a great job. And really, I think getting that program back to the status that it once was yeah. you know, years ago. Brown was been around for a long time on the Division I side and the girls. Nobles, we have Liv Mafio, committed to Boston College. Mm-hmm. Again, been committed for a while. Ayla Chaffee of Kent going to RPI. Mm-hmm. Kenzie Serato from Austin Prep going to UVM. And again, the list goes on and on and on. just too many really, yeah. there's name. a
1: lot of commits, though. I mean, it's it's a, it's it well goes to the 100. strength. It shows the strength of that schedule of those teams and and of that league. And I think it's a, it's a really good thing to see
0: for sure. yeah. and when we get into some of our previews, I think sort of the usual suspects have, reloaded again for this year. The Willistons, the, the Tabers and, and Cushings, et cetera. I think just will be loaded with, again, more college prospects. So I think that list will just continue to grow and grow.
1: It makes it all the more interesting for us and it makes it all the more interesting for people to watch and for people to follow the coverage. So it's a, it's, I think it's a good thing.
0: We can't wait to cover it for hockey fanatics like us.
1: Yeah. It's, and, and what's funny is like the spring was sort of, there wasn't a, is the spring is sort of a rest period for a lot of people playing other sport take some time off. Summer's been in full gear, as we said. So it's it's sort of like summer, and then you got fall, and you got the winter season, which is sort of the culmination of everything. So it's been great. It's been great so far. And yeah, it's good to see all the commits from, boys, from the boys and the girls side.
0: Can't wait to kick it back up in the gear here as we get ready for another season.
1: Absolutely. Let's do it.
0: Well, Evan, thanks so much for joining us again in studio.
1: Of course. It's always good to be back. We'll do some more of these as the season gets going, do some college ones, prep, all that stuff. So it'll be great.
0: Definitely. We have your all your top and up-to-date coverage here at New England Hockey Journal.
1: Which can't can't hate that. Can't hate that.
0: And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Be sure to catch us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AnyHockeyJournal. And subscribe with us online at HockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media production.